0: So we're starting actually a new series now. Uh, it's going to be a series starting in the book of James. And the staff was talking about, we're thinking about kind of where we want to head towards. And, and one thing that we wanted to really celebrate uh, was Easter Sunday. And praise God for that. We had uh, seven people uh, accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord during that. If you could give a hand to that. Seriously, praise the Lord. Um, we had many, many more recommit their lives to Christ. And one thing that, um, a question that came up to me uh, again and again was, so, so what now, right? So what now? Like, where do I go now? What, what's my next step now? And as I was thinking about it, as we as a staff were thinking about it, we just wanted to say, okay, so now that we have this faith, now that we believe in Jesus Christ, what, what's the next step where are we supposed to go from there? How are we supposed to put this into action? Right? And so what better book is there than James for that? That is just so absolutely practical, but at the same time will really challenge us and I think will really show us something new here. And so for me, I'm just really excited to go into that, and I hope that you are excited as well for the next few weeks as we kind of go into the book of James. Um, and you know, as, as I was kind of thinking about how to set up this, this series here. I, was, I couldn't help but start to reminisce about my time at Shining Star. I don't know if you know, I've been here for about two years now, like on staff working here for two years. And um, my title when I first came was uh, community pastor, right? And, and what that was is I was kind of there to help serve and help guide the life groups. And so I was, that was kind of my role, and that's where I was serving, and, and it was good. And and I think at the same time that there's these past two years, there's so much stuff that's happened, a lot of growth in our ministry, a lot of change in our ministry, and at the same time, my role has grown and changed as well. And one thing that's happened with my role that I would never have really anticipated when I first started was that now, two years later, I am preaching and speaking. Regularly, Whether that's for you guys, whether that's for the youth, whether that's for the Korean ministry, I am preaching every week. And it's, it's been so challenging because, because sometimes I get spiritually dry. <laughs> like sometimes I, I sing a praise song and they're just kind of empty words. And a lot of times during the week, I mess up, I sin, I get and feel so guilty. But the difference between then and now is that every seven days, I have to stand up here before you and tell you how good God is. That it doesn't really matter whether my week was good or bad, that every seven days I have to stand here and tell you about how good God's grace is, that his love lasts forever, that it is all we need. And it's interesting because God has given me this undeserved authority here that simply because I have pastor in front of my name that people are willing to listen to me and that blows my mind that people look at leaders in the church for counsel, and there's this trust that that I have that I did nothing to earn and so every day there's a struggle in my heart every day because there's there's these two directions that I can go towards The first is to put my spiritual face on, is to put my spiritual facade on and act like everything is going well and tell you to do something that I'm not following. Or I can go in the other direction and I can come before God, go on my knees and pray that God would just heal my heart And that he would use me even in my struggle. You see, for me in ministry, I could either become a far more hypocritical Christian or I could become a far more genuine one. But what I've realized more and more, and this is something that God has been teaching me, is that, man, he he does not allow me to stay where I was. That things consistently and constantly are coming in my life, and they are constantly going and shaping me in one direction or the other. They never allow me to stay where I am. Why am I talking about this? You see, in our lives, we go through trials. We go through temptations. We go through the worst of times. We go through some of the best times. We go through cancer. We go through death. And in this passage, we see that there is something called trials and there is something called temptations. In verse 12, James, he says, you are going through trials, and yet in verse 13, he says temptations. But what's interesting is that in the Greek, when he originally wrote that, he used the exact same word. It's only now that when we translate it, it's translated differently. Why would that be? It's because every trial is a temptation. You see, every bad thing in your life, and this is important, every good thing in your life as well, is a test that could either make you wiser and make you better, make you closer to God, make you grow, and, and an opportunity for you to mature. But that same trial, that same good thing, that same bad thing, is also an opportunity for you to fail. It's also a temptation. It can hurt you. It can make you cynical. It can make you angry. It can make you move further away from God. And that's why for me, these past two years have been one of the clearest tests of my life. One of the clearest trials that I've experienced. There have been difficult times. There have been a lot of times when I was weak, when I was tired. And times when I felt so guilty. And in those moments, I felt God tell me, look, you are going to preach about my goodness in six days. What are you going to do? Danny, you are going to preach about my love in five days. How are you going to respond? And I would hear that every single day. And so every single day, I had to make a choice. And that choice was either to move towards him or move further away from him. You see, every change in your situation, every good thing that happens to you, every bad thing that happens to you, every success or failure is something that will either push you to become a better person or a worse person. It will be something that pushes you to either cling on to Jesus or to run away from him. But you see, you're not going to stay where you are. You know, it doesn't matter if your sins are self-inflicted. It doesn't matter if your guilt is because of what you've done. These things can bring you closer to God. God. Look, what if something great happens to you? Man, praise God. You can say, "God, I don't deserve this." There are so many other people in this world that are more qualified that could have had this, but you see, I I'm I'm just blessed. God, thank you. And you can and, and what if something terrible happens to you? You can say, "God, I don't know exactly why this is happening." but I trust you. And God, I, I desire you more than I desire the things in this world. You see, life is going to give you good and bad things, but those things don't matter. What matters is your response. Every trial is a temptation, and it's your response that matters. That's why in verse 13 it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Trials come from outside. God allows trials to happen, but temptations are from within. Temptations are from what we do. Let me explain what that means. There is one reason why we sin, just one. It's because we want to sin. It's not because you are forced to. It's not because you are coerced to. It's simply because we want to. Look, let's say I have a final exam tomorrow, right, and I don't study for it. I take it and I fail, right? would I say, look, I only failed because my teacher had the audacity to give me an exam. How ridiculous would that be? You know what? If only my teacher didn't test me, then I wouldn't have failed. That's ridiculous logic. You see, the test is a situation where success or failure can occur, but it's not the cause. The cause of my failure was my lack of discipline. It was my lack of preparation. And in the same way, the test wouldn't be the cause of my success. It would be how I prepared before. How I invested my time and my resources leading up to that test. See, God, He allows trials to happen. He places the situations in our lives but it's our choice in how we respond. In verse 14, it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You see, another word, uh, another word for enticed that we read here is seduced. Like how we can be seduced in relationships. James says that after sin seduces you, it gives birth to more sin. And it's interesting because all throughout the Old Testament, God, he, he tells the Israelites, look, th- what you're doing is not just, it's not just simple. It's not just small things. You are committing adultery. I am your husband. You are committing adultery. He says that again and again and again. You know, I was reading an article on psychology today, and they said the main reason why someone would commit adultery is not because they were abused or in the relationship or because they were deeply unhappy uh, or desperately sad. It said the main reason why someone would commit adultery was because there was someone else who came along that made them feel adored and appreciated. It's because in the relationship that they had, there was this emptiness there. And all of a sudden, someone came who was able to fill that emptiness. See, that's what sin does. It starts where you are most insecure. Look, it's good to desire a great career. But what if your career is the way that you feel good about yourself? It's good to to want a relationship. But what if your relationship is what makes you happy? It's those things that were once good, that sin turns to evil. Because what it does is he's committing, you are simply committing adultery away from God, that that emptiness that you feel, God is crying out and saying, look, I love you. I desire you. I am your husband. You are my bride. And yet we continually say, no, there's an emptiness here. I just don't don't want you anymore. I think this other thing could fulfill me. And so we get seduced. Now, what happens when this temptation overtakes you? It says that it gives birth to sin. What does giving birth mean? Well, I don't have to go into it, but it's when a child, right, you were caring for nine months inside, comes outside, right? (laughs) Don't worry, it's relevant. Look, your actions stem from something. It stems from somewhere. Everything starts from the inside. And it begins to grow until one day it will come out. All of your resentment, all of your bitterness, all of your anger, all of those things that you have built up inside, those things cannot just simply be wished away. Those things simply don't just go away. Those things come out. And that's what James is saying here. That those temptations, that those hurts, that those things that you have experienced, if you are not careful, if you are not vigilant, they will turn to sin. They will turn to action. They will turn from the inside to the outside. Look, are you afraid? Are you anxious? Are you bitter? Do you constantly wonder why you act a certain way when you don't want to? Look at the trials that you have been going through. See if you have fallen into temptation and look at the desires that have flowed from those temptations and you will find your sin. But man, church, I know that it's hard. It's hard. And I know that when I lay it out that way, it sounds like a a 10-step plan to perfection or something like that but I know that there is no perfect plan for a perfect life. There's no perfect way to ace every test, and there's no way that I can ever predict, or we could ever predict what is going to happen in our lives. How can I possibly fathom the trials and the tribulations that you have faced or that you will face? how can I possibly understand the depths of your pain? How can you possibly understand the things that I have gone through? We can't. And I know that when I say that, look, you have a choice of not falling into temptation, I know that it sounds almost trite. Because it sounds like, oh, you can just turn a switch on and off and then everything will be better. But I'm not saying that. What I'm saying that when you are able to make a choice, what I'm, what I'm saying is that when, when you are responsible, it's, it's not any of those things. It's simply that you are, look, you are a human being made in the image of God. You have dignity, you have responsibility, and you have the privilege of saying no to Satan, that when trials come upon you, that when temptations come, that you have the power not through your own ability, not through your own might, but because of what Jesus Christ has done in you. That's why you're able to say, no, this is not where I want to be. No, this is not the place I want to go. You are able to make a choice because Jesus Christ has empowered you Look, in our church, our one desire is to glorify God and to honor him. But I think a lot of times within the church, we can subconsciously begin to think that in order to glorify God, that means that I have to think of myself as trash. That we are just simply pawns in this world and that we have no true power or actions of our own. And yet, do you realize that you are wonderfully and and fearfully made? that you are made by the perfect God of the universe, that you are precious to your heavenly Father, that there is a bond between you and him that cannot be broken. Look, I'm not saying that you are able to do these things through your abilities alone, that you can overcome all temptations. I'm saying that through the power of the Holy Spirit that resides within you, you are able to overcome those things. You are able to do so much more than you can ever imagine. And that's what, I think that's, this is what it means to really understand that you are precious in the sight of God, that he loves you and that he cares for you, and that you are made in his image, and that he looks at you with eyes of a father. And that's what I want to read to you, Romans 8, 31 to 39. I just want you to listen. Who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us, who is praying for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, no, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him. Who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, no, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depths, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, our Christ Jesus. That's who our God is, and that's the power that He's given us. Jesus Christ, he died for us, he gave us everything so that now whatever trials and tribulations that we are facing, no matter what types of winds and waves come into our lives, we can stand firm not because of who we are but because of the foundation of Jesus Christ that we are standing upon. Know that as long as you cling on to Jesus Christ and trust in him, what you are going through is not the end. Look, the things in this world are strong, but Jesus Christ is stronger. And we believe that. And we trust in that. Look, does this, does this mean that if you do this alone, that you'll never sin again? Look, I'm sorry, no. You're, you'll, you'll probably sin. No, you most definitely will. Right? <laughs> It's like the move it's like, you know, taken. When Liam Neeson talked to his daughter, he's like, you will be taken. <laughs> you will sin, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about whether I should... <laughs> we, we will sin because guess what? We are broken people in a broken world. It's true. And as we can try our best to follow these steps, to, we can do our best to really cling on to Jesus, but there will always be times when, when we fall away. So, what do we need to do? What do we need to do then? You know, counselors, do you know why they recommend married couples to go on dates, like pretty often? It's to remember what brought you guys together in the first place. Well, that's one of the reasons. It's to reorient your heart to one another, because as busy as married life can be, as busy as your work, as busy as your children, and just life in general can become. One of the greatest blessings in this life is to love and be loved by your spouse. At least that's what I heard. <laughs> don't, don't awe me. <laughs> um, look, the, the way you break away from sin is to see that there is someone or something that is so much more beautiful in your life. That is the only way. It is impossible for you to simply say no to sin just because. You're going to have to cling on to something else. You're going to have to move your affections towards someone else. If your heart wants one thing, then you're gonna to have to find something better for you to move along. And there's one thing that is the best. That's one thing that I've dedicated my entire life to. There's one reason why we come to church every Sunday, why we dedicate our entire lives to doing this, is because we believe that Jesus Christ is the best. That he's it. That there's nothing better. That we can push our affections toward him. And that even if we try to push our affections towards something else, that other thing is going to crumble. And that other thing will fall. Because there's only one true thing that will stand the test of time, that will be from the past, present, and the future. And that's Jesus Christ. And that He loves you. And that He is desperate for you. And that He wants you. Look, brothers and sisters, there will be difficulties in this life. There will be difficulties tomorrow. But you have the spirit of the living God residing within you. Be strong. Be strong and courageous. Know your worth. Know your worth, brothers and sisters. There's this quote that Tim Keller has in his book and he says it a lot and it's something that I I love as well. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Let's pray. There will always be trials. There will always be hardships in your life. And you see, those things, it can either draw us closer to him or it can lead us further away. But God, he places these situations in our life and now we have the opportunity, we have the privilege of saying no to Satan, of turning away from him and turning towards God. What a beautiful and wonderful thing that is. And so, for you, brothers and sisters, I don't know what's happening in your life. I can't possibly fathom the difficulties that you are going through right now. But I want you to really pray to the Lord because God knows. He knows exactly what you're going through. So, I want you to give those things up to Him. I want you to pray to, to the Lord and say, God, I want to run towards you. That even in this pain, that even in this hardship, that even in my worries, I'm going to run towards you. That is my choice. That is the choice that I will go towards. God, you have made me. You have empowered me. You are the living God that resides within me. And so I will choose you. And so let's pray that together right now. Let's pray together.